four or five years ago when we told people we were doing dairy-free products, treasonous is actually a good way to describe their reaction. Like, people were quite shocked. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber. Hello, hello. My name is Jerry Saver and you are listening to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, the podcast where you get to know the people behind new and established brands across the entire plant-based sector and learn about new developments and new opportunities opening up. Whether you're also working in the industry, if you want to start or if you simply want to know what's happening and what's available. Today, I'm talking to Alice Shopland from Angel Food, which is a dairy-free cheese company here in New Zealand. And I gotta tell you, I've been warming up for this episode since last week because she was kind enough to send me some samples. So I've been on a kind of a mission to see how many different uses I can find for vegan cheese. But to be honest, I've also been eating her vegan grated parmesan with a spoon. So Alice, thanks for that and welcome to the show. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, it's it's really cool to be talking to you because I wanted to get some Kiwi talent on before we leave New Zealand for good next month and your company is probably one of the longest running vegan businesses in the country is it um probably yes in terms of specifically vegan companies yes i think there are other companies that are sort of accidentally vegan but yes we've been going 10 years as a deliberately vegan company yeah, yeah. how did you get to start it anyway what what prompted angel food um, I went vegan 12 years ago and, um, having never considered it, like I, I knew I was going to go vegetarian, but I just had this vague idea that vegans were crazy extremists, mm -hmm. yeah. um, really into depriving themselves of delicious things and why would you bother? Um, and then I met a vegan and, um, went vegan from omnivore to vegan within six weeks and just thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And I pretty much still think it's the most amazing thing ever. It's, um, yeah, it's made a huge difference to my life and in terms of how um, there was a big psychological weight off my shoulders because I think even though I hadn't considered veganism, I knew what was going into the food that I was eating. And so not participating in that anymore was a big relief. Um, and I sort of assumed that all my friends and family would go, oh, yeah, Alice is right. We're going to go vegan too. But there was just tumbleweeds. So, um, and one thing, you know, if people did engage with me about it, they would say, oh, good on you, but I could never live without cheese. So I thought, okay, cheese, cheese is the thing. So um, I, there was no decent vegan cheese available in New Zealand then, um, and I started importing a brand from the UK, and um, not really thinking of it as a business, but more of a community service so that you know, other vegans in New Zealand could eat this cheese. And that, um, I did get it into organic stores and it grew a little bit, but um, bringing chilled freight 
across the world uh, in small quantities is um, an unrewarding game, shall we say. Yeah, it's not exactly so, a business model that has much potential, I would say, right? Well, no. And, you know, I didn't initially, I wasn't being business minded about it at all. I just saw this was something needed that needed doing and I could do it. So, um, yeah, um, four years ago, uh, my husband and I decided, right, we're going to stop with the imports, develop our own products, have them locally manufactured. And um, that's how we've really gained momentum. Plus, it was the right time that, you know, there was more demand for vegan products and dairy-free products. So, um, yeah, that's what's got us where we are today. Was your husband the vegan that you met or was it someone else who turned you on? Uh, it was someone else. All right. And uh, <laughs> what about your professional background? Like you said, you weren't really business-minded about that. What were you doing before you started Angel Food? Um, I was a freelance writer. Okay. Um, so I went to journalism school and then, um, yeah, I wrote for magazines for um, about 15 years. So, you know, I was self-employed, but that's very different from running a business. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's still just a small leap, you know, from freelance writing to making vegan cheese. Yeah, that's quite, yes. quite a related industry, definitely. <laughs> So you, you weren't always a vegan cheese company, at least not a company making vegan cheese, but I would say you definitely hit a niche here in New Zealand because we, we moved over in 2012 and it was a bit of a shock to see there was like nothing, li literally nothing here available, at least down in the South Island. So um, you, you said that the in, you started in 2012, right, with actually making vegan cheese? just about that time yes yeah yes. and the demand was going up now for u.s listeners and those abroad who may not know it dairy is huge in new zealand like it's one of our main exports and the way it's treated you would think it's the backbone of the economy so how did people around you especially non-vegans take the fact that you were doing something as treasonous as um manufacturing dairy-free cheese? Um, yes. Four or five years ago, when we told people we were doing dairy-free products, treasonous is actually a good way to describe <laughs> their reaction. Like, people were quite shocked. Um, and that in the last couple of years, we have not had that reaction which to me signifies a huge shift in mentality because there's been a lot of publicity about the environmental damage of dairy farming, especially water quality um, and overuse of water because of irrigating dairy farms. Um, the treatment of the cows and particularly the treatment of the bobby cows has had a lot of publicity. So people um, are much more aware that dairy is not a benign substance. 
So that's um, yeah, that's just in the last couple of years we've seen that change. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of the things that I like to tell people who who comment how how clean the environment is down here. That yeah, we don't have much pollution except for the cows, and mm. and, and they think I'm joking, but I'm, I'm actually not. It's the the dairy industry is one of the main polluters here in in New Zealand, I believe. And that's simply because of the numbers. You know, if we were doing pig farming on the same scale we were doing that we do dairy farming, then the pigs would be doing the polluting. Yeah. It's just the obviously I'm not in support of any kind of animal agriculture, but the scale of it is just ludicrous. And it's only because New Zealand is so sparsely populated that we've kind of got away with it. But um, yeah, it's it's all reaching tipping point. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with the dairy industry in New Zealand, actually? Um, I don't know. We can't afford to buy out Fonterra yet. Yeah, not not quite there, but I mean, <laughs> the, the exports are declining um, a bit. I, I hope that um, New Zealand dairy farmers and New Zealand dairy companies will they must see the change that's happening. You know, overseas, um, animal agriculture companies are diversifying into plant-based proteins, into nut milks, um, all sorts. And I hope that New the New Zealand dairy industry will see that as that's the way things are going and they will start to make those changes and do the, do the research um, before they're forced out of business, really. Yeah. You know, and that's not just from a, a vegan point of view. That's just environmentally, it is not sustainable. You just can't, you can't even keep it going at the rate it is now, let alone expand it, which is what they're trying to do. It's yeah, and, and then you have the human factor where you have farmers who are basically living off subsidies because if, if the prices of dairy are going down, they're obviously, they're, they are struggling to to get by, and there are people who oh, are working yeah. in a struggling industry, whereas they could probably just shift and start growing peas or soy or well, well, almonds. Say, probably wouldn't grow, but you know. know. Yeah, there's lots of things that will grow, and you say they could just shift, but that is a huge change. I yeah, don't think is. we should underestimate the challenges that dairy farmers are facing now and are going to face as they um, transition to something more sustainable. Um, but that's where the government subsidies should be going into helping them do something better. And, you know, they've got terrible um, mental health rates. Suicide rates are really high. They're a lot of them are struggling financially, whatever the price of milk is doing. It's incredibly expensive to run a modern dairy farm. And um, often it's only worthwhile because of the perceived value of the land. Yeah, so that's basically the market that you're working with. And you've managed to penetrate it quite well because right now you're selling in supermarkets across the nation. I mean, I, I can go out here in Wanaka, which is a small town, and I think like three out of five stores carry your product. So what did it take to get to this point? Um, oh, a lot of stubbornness, 
that always helps. Basically, yes, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what's um, kept us going until now, when the market is just starting to be ready for our products. So, um, I guess stubbornness and some patience and just seeing the changes that are happening and knowing that um, the dairy alternatives market is actually going to be huge in New Zealand um, and having good products and being creative about how we get them to market and um, how we do our marketing because we're doing everything on a shoestring. So. Yeah. And how about Hell Pizza, which, again, for, for foreign listeners, is a nationwide chain of pizzas. It's pretty awesome that they offer your mozzarella as a dairy-free alternative. It is, D yeah. Did you approach them or did they approach you? Um, I approached them probably, yeah, almost as soon as we started developing our mozzarella because um, Hell Pizza already did a vegan pizza. It just didn't have any cheese on it. So, um, and they were one of the few takeaway chains catering at all for vegans back then. Yeah, well. um, they're, they're not a cheap takeaway. So I knew they were a good fit for um, a specialty product like dairy-free cheese. And yeah, as soon as I started talking to them, they were interested. Um, so long as we came out with a good product, which we did, at the right price, which we did. So, uh, yeah, that's been a really good partnership. Yeah, and um, I, I think it has been a really good partnership. And I, I also think the mozzarella is really good because I, I made pizza with it yesterday. And, you um, know, I've, I've had the mozzarella before, but it's just awesome to have a vegan cheese that actually melts like it's supposed to. That was yeah. not easy. That was two years of it, recipe development to it, get it melting. It's always a challenge. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And um, now you're you're selling in Australia as well, right? Or, yes, we yeah. have a distributor who's based in Melbourne. Um, he doesn't sell our chilled products, just the um, parmesan and the cheese sauce mixes. Okay, was yeah. it hard to get into that market, like just overseas? Um, we actually, when we were importing products, we bought from that distributor, okay. so we were having yeah. a relationship with him. Yeah. So. Um, that no it wasn't hard to get the distributor um we don't sell masses of products over there and i think to sell a lot more we would have to have much more presence in the australian market but right now we're kind of fully occupied with new zealand yeah and how do actually how do alternative dairy products classify in terms of food safety and export regulations is it regulated like dairy is it something completely no, different it's um the only difficulties are explaining to some customs people that it's cheese but it's dairy free that's um we've had several very long circular conversations with people about that but no yeah. if you can claim on the documentation as we can that all of the ingredients are plant-based nothing from animal origin then it's very easy process okay yeah Th that's good to know because the risk is so much lower yeah yeah that, that that's good to know for also for anyone who's you know thinking about 
doing something dairy-free that's not as strict as actual dairy foods. Cool. So right now you have a crowdfunding campaign out and it's being done in the form of pre-sales of some new products that you're launching next month. You want to tell me more about those products? Yes. Um, yep. We're adding a cheddar to our range and a feta. And so those will be the first two. And then a cream cheese and a cheddar spread. And um, we've been working on the cheddar for a long time. It's been almost as challenging technically as the mozzarella, but uh, it is almost there. And it's tasting really good. And it's going to be our mozzarella is great for uh, recipes where you want melted cheese. Um, but the cheddar will be great on crackers and on sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I tried, like I said, I tried a couple of those products, um, the, the feta cheese and the salami, which you're also developing. Yes. And I got to say, you're definitely on to something there. Oh, good. Thank so you. How does your research and development look like? I mean, you said it took almost two years to, to, de to develop the mozzarella. So it, is it you experimenting with new flavors and textures or do you actually set a goal to recreate something and you have a lab or a food technologist for this? How does it work? Um, usually the products start um, in my home kitchen. Um, though I just play around with ingredients. Um, I'm not a, I don't have a science background or a food tech background, but um, I'm a pretty good cook and I like experimenting, see what works. Um, we do also have a contract food technologist. So um, usually I get the recipes to a certain stage and then hand it over to him. And uh, we are not looking for exact replicas of dairy products, but we want to get as close as possible. So for the mozzarella, um, it has to be firm enough to grate and it has to melt on your pizza. Those are the key criteria. It has to fulfill that um, function that people are used to. So, um, and that's quite difficult because you're working with entirely different ingredients <laughs> from dairy products. Yeah. And we're also trying to make things um, gluten-free and soy-free uh, we don't use GE ingredients, um, so we have this. You know, we try and only use natural flavors. So um, we do have quite a few restrictions, um, and of course, we're a tiny company. So there are some amazing ingredients available if you can buy a whole shipping container of them. But that's not us yet. We we buy ingredients by the pallet but not by the shipping container yet. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I got to say for, like, you you call it a tiny company, your your products are actually very comparable price-wise to, to what's available here in, at least from what I see in the dairy compartment. Not that I spend a lot of time in front of the, you know, cheese section, but just looking at it. Um, I, I, well, that was, that's, that's another um, constraint that we've imposed upon ourselves, we don't want vegan food to be 
um, an absolute luxury that only the top 1% can afford. We want it to be mainstream. That, making vegan food mainstream is our key goal. So um, our products are slightly more expensive, um, but not, you know, they're not twice the price. Yeah. And as, as our volumes increase, we'll be able to make them even more competitive. And then a year and a half ago, you had an equity crowdfunding campaign and you raised $150,000, which was twice the amount that you were looking for. Was that expected? Did you think you were going to double your goals? Oh, no, we were a bit nervous that we wouldn't even reach the $75,000. Um, it, it, it felt like a big step because all along it had been... Um, well, just me, and then just me and my husband, Colin, and uh, sort of reaching out to people and offering them the chance to get involved in the business um, was quite scary. And um, But, yeah, we had an amazing response. And the most um, surprising thing was how many of the people who pledged, because we ended up with um, 85 shareholders and more than half of those people we didn't know. They were complete strangers. A lot of them are not even vegan or dairy-free. They just liked the sound of what we were doing. So that was, um, yeah, it was really encouraging to um, see that we had created something that people had so much confidence in. Yeah, and out of those 85 people, that would mean the average person put in almost $2,000 in your company. Does that sound about right or were there a couple of bigger investors that you attracted oh, with that campaign? Um, we had the minimum what, share parcel you could buy was $600 and we had, um, I can't remember the numbers, but there would have been probably 30 people bought $600 worth. And then a chunk of people bought um, $1,000 worth thereabout. But yes, there were some um, some big um, share parcels purchased. Yeah. And you said that was your first funding round. Up until then, you were basically self-funding the company. Or did you seek we, other investments we did, before? We did sell some shares to friends and family before the Pledge Me funding round. Yeah. Yeah. But, but basically, it was all private you you never actually went in and pitched this to to investors oh no no okay so now comparing the two approaches the equity crowdfunding that you did a year and a half ago and the pre-sale crowdfunding that you're doing right now what's your insider view on them like if you had to sum it up for someone who's never done either and is considering it what would you tell them Well, it's hard to compare them because they're so different. Even though you know we we ran both through Pledge Me, the, the same platform, but um, yeah, it's very it, it is. It's not really like comparing apples with apples. It's not like I would recommend one but not the other. Um, so we are we're just about. To 
coming to the end of our um, crowdfunding for the pre-sales of the cheddar and feta, etc. And um, I'm pretty sure we're not going to make our target, which is unfortunate, but um, that's okay. We have a plan B. We will still be launching the products. Um, Yeah, that's very good to hear because they they are good products. But um, do you have any idea why that that is happening? Because like people were obviously very, very prepared to invest hundreds and thousands of dollars in your company. Yeah. um, I'm not sure, but I think for the the pre-sales, possibly our excellent distribution is working against us (laughs) because people think, eh, I'll just wait until it's in the supermarket. That might be right, yeah. Um, and they may also think Angel Food is doing really well. They're in 300 stores around the country. They're in 70 Hell Pizzas. How come they can't fund this themselves without doing pre-sales? There may be an element of that. And um, from an outsider's point of view, I can understand that. From an insider's point of view, I can tell you it's really tough running a small vegan business in New Zealand. But, um, yeah, that's okay. We'll still do it. Like I said, I'm stubborn and patient. And, um, yeah, we'll just have to use plan B. Well, it's been working for you so far. I can't see why it wouldn't work for you in, in the future. But um, have, yes. you cons- have you considered going for a bigger round of funding or looking for, for bigger investors? Um, yes, yes, and uh, we haven't felt ready for that in the past. Um, $150,000 injection of funds, uh, that just felt so massive. Um, Of course, once you're actually using it to do the marketing and the research and all the rest of it, um, it turns out to be not a huge amount of money. Although it was critical at the time, and um, we're very grateful those people did invest, and it's put us in a much better position. So the answer to your question is, yes, we are investigating going for a bigger amount of funding. Yeah, especially right now, because I think the the investor market for for vegan companies, for vegan brands is expanding exponentially actually so and especially if you are eyeing european and uk markets as i believe you are yeah i I think you have a lot of potential there so how how about the asian market um yes um we are in discussions with someone about the asian market but i can't actually say anything about that at the moment except that um, a very high percentage of Asian people are lactose intolerant because it traditionally has not been part of their diet at all. Um, but um, Western countries, including New Zealand, have worked really hard at getting dairy products into Asian countries. Um, and I just heard the other day that... Um, I think in Taiwan, there's 
a growing cultural phenomenon where parents think their kids should drink a glass of cow's milk with breakfast because mm-hmm. that's what Western people do. Yeah, I wonder where they got that idea, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, nice marketing budget, dairy <laughs> industry. Um, and that's really sad because, you know, that's obviously not good for the cows, but it's not good for those kids either. Um, anyway, so Asian people in Asia are developing a taste for dairy products, including cheese, pizza, and all sorts of Italian food are huge in Asia at the moment. And um, yeah, so we can <laughs> we can help deliver the taste of cheese without the actual dairy. That's going to make them feel quite ill. Okay, but your Asian plants are currently still hush-hush, if I understand correctly. What about Europe and UK? How, how are you approaching those markets? Um, uh, very cautiously at the moment. We, um, my husband is from um, Northern Ireland, so we've spent a bit of time over there, and we know the um, vegan market in the UK quite well. So... Um, Next year, we will be looking for a UK distributor. We've just got a few things to put in place uh, ready for that. But that's, yeah, that's showing big potential. Yeah. In... Unfortunately, the pound has plummeted. So yep. their ability to buy our products is <laughs> not, not as good as it was a year ago. But um, we'll see. I'll see. And speaking of home, um... It's my impression that the vegan community in New Zealand, I'm not sure it may be small, but it's pretty passionate. Was that your experience as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so did they embrace your products wholeheartedly? Was it any struggle to, to get it in front of them? Oh, uh, no, no, it's it's not a struggle. And um, social media is great for vegan companies because um, vegans are very active on social media and, um, yeah, word of mouth is excellent and, yeah, we get a lot of support for people. Um, Partly because people don't want to be buying imported products all the time um, because they're usually very environmentally minded and they don't like the idea of um, shipping stuff all the way across the world. So, um, yeah, people are really happy to support a local vegan company. Yeah. Now, to kind of close this off with some words of wisdom from you in terms of setting up and growing your business, what has been your biggest challenge so far? Oh, um, biggest challenge so far? Oh, I could give you a whole list of them. Um, <laughs> cash flow. Cash flow was really tricky. Um, I had this idea it was the business was going to get easier once you know we were selling decent volumes because we we're in supermarkets, but um, it's not any easier. It's just a, a new set of challenges, particularly cash flow. Um, oh, Dealing with criticism because, you know, you put your heart and soul into it and, you know, you're doing your very best and then someone makes some offhand comment about how they don't really like one of your products and you just, 
yeah <laughs> when you're emotionally invested into what you're doing which you know it, it's hard not to do whatever you're doing but especially if you're doing something like you really really care products, about it yeah you, yeah you really care about it so what is it that keeps you going through those tough times um, the, the compliments we get from people, which far outweigh the people who say, I eh, don't like that. Um, but the main thing keeping me going is, um, when I drive through the countryside in New Zealand and I see all the cows in the fields and the calves in the other fields because they've been separated from their mums. Yeah, that's that's what keeps me going because, yeah, there's so much work to do, so much change required. I totally, totally get you there. I mean, I, I see that daily and I, I have the opportunity to see it from from the air actually i i see the the changes that are being done to to the countryside i see the huge dairy farms that we have around here and it's just mind-blowing the the extent of it in, in a country that's actually being perceived around the world as you know an unspoiled natural jewel and then when you look closer we are doing horrible horrible stuff to it and horrible horrible stuff to to the animals at the same time so yeah that's um it's a pretty strong driving force for you yeah yeah i mean the fact that i this is my job and my job actually makes a difference to the people who consume our products and to the animals, you know, we must be having some tiny, tiny impact on the dairy industry. And um, that's what keeps me going. Definitely. Yeah. And where where are you going? Like for the future, uh, after you launch your, your feta cheese and the salami and everything, of course, what's the future for, what's the future like for Angel Food? Um. It's going to be big. We're going to be the best known brand of vegan products in Australasia. Um, we're working hard on developing products for food service. So um, pie manufacturers can use our cheese sauce and pizza manufacturers can use our mozzarella because um, it's all about volume and getting the price down so that it's um, you're reducing a barrier to entry. So... Um, that and then developing the separate brand for the UK and um, helping New Zealand have a plant-based foods industry. That's what the future holds for Angel Food. Awesome. Now, finally, where can people find out more about you? Angel Food, Alice, and of course your um, current crowdfunding campaign. Um, best to go to our website, which is angelfood.co.nz or uh, just type up an Angel Food NZ on Facebook. You'll find us. Find you there. All right, great. Alice, once again, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all the cheese. It's <laughs> going to take us a couple more days to, to work our way through it. <laughs> Keep and working on it. Really, all the best getting these new products out to market. I, I can't wait to see them. Okay, that's great. Thanks, cool. Jerry. Thanks a lot for joining me today. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. 
So this concludes episode 7 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. And if you're tuning in on the day it airs, October 26th, then Angel Foods crowdfunding campaign will still be live and the link will be in the show notes at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com slash show slash episode 007. Otherwise, like Alice mentioned, the campaign will have probably finished without reaching the goal, which, you know, is a bit of a downer for me as well because I also contributed money to it. But I guess it's all part of the entrepreneurial journey and the learning experience. And in this case, I guess the lesson is to have a fallback plan in place. Alice has one, so the new Angel Food products will still be coming out as planned, which is great because I've tried them and they're awesome. But it's also great because New Zealand is such a small and remote market that local plant-based suppliers are so much more important. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any suggestions for future ones, you can always reach me on Twitter at PBEntrepreneur or by emailing me on jerry at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com. This is it for this week. I'll talk to you again next Wednesday. And until then, remember that even when you do face obstacles, that plant-based future is still there and just waiting for you to make it happen.